0: It's the start of a new era in Tampa as Tom Brady arrives to take over what could be one of the league's most explosive offenses. Hello everyone and welcome to Fantasy Football in 15, the start of a new week. I am your host, Michael Beller, joined as I am every single show here by Derek Van Riper, DVR, how was your weekend?
1: Not bad. Uh, Just good to get out of the house a little bit as safely as possible, of course. Uh, It's been nice over the last few weeks having the beginnings of summer because it at least feels like time is passing, even though in the sports world, a lot of things are on hold.
0: Yeah, it really does. My wife and I were actually just talking about the weather changing being the only thing that feels like we've uh, felt or been able to mark any sort of difference from March to June. And so uh, it's definitely been a nice thing we hope all of you out there are staying safe staying happy and ready to uh, listen to us talk about football for the next 15 minutes and specifically talk about the tampa bay buccaneers for the next 15 minutes to do that we bring on our bucks beat writer greg Almond. greg thanks for joining us today
2: hey thanks for having me on uh, excited to think about the possibility of having uh, fantasy football in the near future
0: yeah, so are we. So are we, definitely. This is something that uh, that could get uh, a whole lot of people a whole lot of happy in their lives. So we're hoping that that happens. And speaking of happy, Tampa Bay Buccaneers fans had to be awfully happy with the offseason that this team had a huge change in Tampa. Gone is Jameis Winston In is a guy named Tom Brady, who has a few accomplishments to his name. He is now probably piloting uh, the most explosive offense that he has had since, I would say, the Randy Moss days in New England. Uh, Obviously, they were able to keep that train rolling pretty darn well uh, in New England for the 10 years after Moss left, but not quite the weapons like Chris Godwin. Mike Evans, Rob Gronkowski, O.J. Howard, whatever we're going to make of this backfield. And yet it still needs to be said that for all of his faults, Jameis Winston was pretty darn good for the fantasy football world. Uh, Loved to throw the ball downfield, loved to attack, threw a lot of touchdowns last year, threw for a lot of yards. Uh, So how do we think Brady is going to pilot this Bruce Arians offense?
2: Yeah, it'll be fun to see where where they take steps forward and maybe where they take statistically take steps back. Because I don't know that I mean, Jameis threw for fifty one hundred yards. I don't expect Tom Brady to throw for that. Um, part of that I think is that they won't be down as much and won't be need won't need to throw that much basically. Um, touchdowns. It's like Jameis had thirty three touchdowns. That would be uh, again. That's that was a Bucs record when he said it last year. I would think that's a good year for Tom Brady if he does that. And, and what's funny is that I mean. Where Brady will make the biggest step for them is is in eliminating turnovers, which helps you a little bit from a fantasy standpoint, uh, you know, if, if you're not hurting yourself by losing fantasy points. But I, I think he'd do well to have the overall numbers that Jameis had last year in terms of yards and touchdowns and and fantasy impact.
1: Yeah, I, I think he can definitely reach that. I think he's pretty easily a top 10 fantasy quarterback, but because of the weapons, maybe if the touchdown rate goes through the roof, there's a shot that he cracks the top five. And uh, last season, and, and really throughout the time that he was in Tampa Bay, James Winston was particularly great for Mike Evans, and, and again, Winston attacking downfield was a big part of that. That's not necessarily Brady's strong suit. He takes the occasional shots downfield. Do you think this ultimately hurts the production floor for Mike Evans, even though Brady is a more consistent quarterback?
2: I think it might, um, and it's not only just Brady here, but like Gronkowski obviously is going to cut into touchdowns, I think. So, I mean, Mike Evans has had 1,000 yards receiving every year of his NFL career. And I think this is the first time it's not a given if he's healthy that he gets 1,000 yards. Just because, obviously, Chris Godwin emerged last year. Um, He would be a threat to have more receiving yards. Just the idea that they're throwing more to the backs and the tight ends, to me, will crib into his overall numbers. Um, Mike had great numbers last year in touchdowns and yards, and that's even with whatever, the last three games missing with injury. So I still think you go into this thinking he's a thousand yard receiver, thinking he's a an eight to ten touchdown guy. Uh, but it's curious it'll be curious to see how the just the how the allocation changes, how the distribution of passes, especially in the red zone, might be different with, with Brady at the helm.
0: Yeah, it really was one hell of a season for Evans last year. You mentioned he missed the last three games because of the hamstring injury and really missed most of the game where he hurt the hamstring. I believe it was the first half of that game that he hurt it on like a 60-yard touchdown play. Right, uh, but still, had a
2: touchdown, helped you out yeah. there, and then was done for the rest of the season.
0: Yeah, exactly, but still with just those, so we, we we can call it 12 and a half games, 67 catches, 1,157 yards, eight touchdowns. I do think that, Maybe not going to see quite those numbers. Uh, Again, Jameis Winston was an excellent companion for Mike Evans. You mentioned Chris Godwin. Greg, let's talk about him next. He broke out last year, 86 grabs, 1,333 yards, nine touchdowns. He, too, dealt with a little bit of injury, did all that damage in just 14 games. Right now, going into the season, do we think he's a top-10 receiver in the league?
2: I think so. I mean, he's in a contract year, so he has all the motivation in the world to – want to validate what he did last year to be a pro bowler again, to be a thousand yard receiver again. Um, I think they want to keep him here in Tampa, but there's not many teams that can afford two $15 million a year receivers. There's a lot of guys that have two $10 million receivers, but he's probably going to cost every bit as much as what they're paying Mike Evans. So um, I, I do think there's a, a sense of this being a chance for him to really, really set himself up long-term. I mean, he was a third round draft pick, so didn't get a huge payday on his rookie contract. Um, he'll make like $2 million this year, uh, with a a bump in his final year of his rookie salary. So he, has got a big opportunity. Um, he's someone who's, who's grown and added to his game every year. And I kind of expect the same. So, I mean, to me, the big question is, is now whether Evans or Godwin can, can be the one that produces like the top fantasy receiver in this offense.
1: Yeah, I think looking at these two guys, they both have average draft positions inside the top 30 overall. Godwin goes a little bit earlier. His ADP is right around pick 20. Evans at pick 28. If you're choosing between the two of them for this season, do you follow the market and choose Godwin, or do you have a preference for Evans? I don't, I don't know that I have a
2: strong take either way right now. I, what intrigues me about Godwin is that if you look at Brady, he's had such a strong relationship with his slot receivers, um, and they've generally been the smaller uh, shifty types, the Welkers and Edelmans and, and Amendolas and that kind of thing. Um, Godwin is is not a prototypical slot. I mean, he had, I think, the second most slot yards in the NFL last year, um, did really well there. I, I do think the Bucks are going to shift to, I mean, last year, their default offensive look was a three-receiver set, and I think having added Gronkowski and having kept OJ Howard and Cam Brait, by default, I think they're probably going to be in 12 personnel a lot more. I think you're going to see two receivers and two tight ends. So that that probably means that, I mean, I still think Evans and Godwin are on the field, whatever, 80% of the snaps. But it, it does change their groupings a little bit. And you, it'll be curious to see whether that second tight end picks up the mismatch better or whether uh, having the two tight ends on the field opens Godwin up more. It, it's hard to know how defenses will respond to the talent they have on the passing game, um, and who's probably in the best position to take advantage of that.
0: You talk about twelve personnel, and we know that you know uh, O.J. Howard is the type of athlete who can certainly stand up like a and line up like a wide receiver, run routes like a wide receiver. Bruce Arians has a reputation for not using his tight ends, whether that's earned, whether that's based on some of the personnel he's had over his career. It's still a reputation that is there. So, do you think it's could it be 12 personnel in name only where one of the tight ends is basically acting like a wide receiver?
2: Yeah, no, I do think so. I mean, Cam Bray is is more of a receiver than he is a tight end. Probably. He's, he's a big receiver as much as he is. I don't think he has the blocking respons- responsibilities you would normally associate with a tight end. And, and he's intriguing, too. I mean, he's the Bucs' number three tight end, and he's number four in the NFL in touchdown catches over the last five seasons. So... So, again, as a late-round flyer, you could do a lot worse. Um, he's a red zone guy. He's not going to have a high volume in terms of 800 yards or something, but there's a good chance he's good for six, seven touchdowns again. So I do think they'll be in a ton of 12 personnel. Um, we don't know right now whether that's Gronk and Howard as a default as the two guys that are out there or or whether they rotate those two in, in company with Bray just to keep a little of the – Maybe the wear and tear off Gronkowski, not knowing how he'll handle coming back after a year off.
1: Yeah, I'm not sure what to really make of Gronkowski at this point. ADP is around pick 100. What has he been able to do since signing? And do you see him with this group being so crowded with two awesome receivers in this offense? Do you see Gronk? Maybe is just more of a, a red zone specialist, or maybe like a, a guy that in third down is kind of a security blanket for Brady, but he just doesn't get to that same volume that we've seen in the past.
2: Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't expect anything like what you saw. I mean, he's had cat. He's had seasons where he had seventeen touchdown catches. I mean, it just amazing, overwhelming Goliath kind of seasons. I, I don't know that I expect that, and I don't. I don't know that he goes into like a niche role at all. But I think I think 40 catches and 7, 8 touchdowns is a lot more likely than the years he's had where he's a 1,000-yard tight end with 12 touchdowns and that kind of thing. I think um, if I were the Bucks, my main concern would be keeping him healthy to be there for you in the postseason. So instead of him being like a 75% offensive snap tight end as he's been throughout his career, I would scale that back. I, I mean, I think it makes no sense for me to keep the tight end depth that they have with those three if they don't parcel out the snaps with an eye towards keeping them all healthy. And again, maybe it, maybe it's like they see in week three that Gronk can handle it and he's back like 2018 Gronk and he's healthy and he's handling the, the durability aspect of the position great. But I, I don't know that they'll know that until they get on the field. So I, like I said, I, I see all three of those guys getting snaps in what is a really talented, really deep rotation of three tight ends.
0: It's a point well taken, and it's an important thing to keep in mind when you are thinking about certainly Gronkowski, but really all of these guys and the entire offense. I think the conventional wisdom was that uh, O.J. Howard was going to be on the trade block after they signed Gronkowski. Not only do you make the signing for Gronkowski, the big move for the tight end. But you have to also consider the fact that O.J. Howard, from a statistical standpoint, was a major disappointment last year. This is a guy who, uh, in fantasy leagues, was thought of as you know not quite in the uh, Kelsey Kittle, Ertz class, but potentially someone who could join that class. Last year, obviously, the total opposite happened. This is a guy who ended up on a whole lot of waiver wires throughout the season. So, A, wondering what his role is in all this—is he just someone who fills in in the rotation? And B. If he starts hot, or even if he doesn't, could he find himself on the trade block in the season?
2: I I would be surprised if he was traded in the season. To me, the main reason you keep him is is that I don't think they can know how well Gronkowski will handle getting back on the field. And for them to presume he's back as an 80% snap tight end would be a a gamble, I think. Um, And it could be, like you said, the idea of an in-season trade— um, if they got a really good offer for him, if they weren't playing him that much because Gronk was doing so well. Um, you know, he's he's got one year left on his rookie deal. He's got a $6 million option for 2021 where a team wouldn't just be renting him if they if they tr- traded for him. So you could see that. Um, I mean, Cam Brate's making like $4 million. So he's somebody that could also be uh, a trade possibility if they aren't using him at all. It's really hard to know. I mean, Howard... You look at Howard Lesher, he had one t- one touchdown. So that, that's a fantasy killer to go all year and have one touchdown when you're playing as much as he is. Um, that, that'll be a challenge. And, and what we see from them November 1st might be something very different from what we see in week one.
1: Great. let's talk about the backfield. The The Bucks used a third-round pick on Keyshawn Vaughn. Of course, Ronald Jones is still in this backfield, and he was a little better than people might remember. Statistically, 724 yards and, and six touchdowns on 172 carries. Got involved in the passing game a little bit as well. 31 catches, 309 yards there. Uh, What do you think the breakdown is going to be between Vaughn and Jones and maybe Dare Agumbawale is also a part of the equation there as well. But how do you see Jones and Vaughn kind of sharing the bulk of the touches?
2: Yeah, I think it definitely starts with Ronald Jones. I think that the fact that they didn't go after any of these backs in free agency, uh, the veteran types who were available at a modest salary, uh, I think he is more of a a stronger number one than the job share he had with Peyton Barber last year, where obviously he finished as the lead rusher, uh, but was really very much sharing the role for the first at least two months of the season. Um, Keyshawn Vaughn can be an upgrade on Peyton Barber. Peyton Barber really had so little in the way of big play potential last year that his numbers were bad from an average standpoint, got into the end zone when they needed him to. But Keyshawn Vaughn had, I think it's eight touchdowns of 60 yards or longer in college. Um, reads a lot like Ronald Jones did coming out of USC. So I, I do think um, as they get Keyshawn Vaughn more comfortable and confident in him from a pass protection standpoint, um, it can be where Keyshawn Vaughn gets every third drive um, and, and gets that kind of 1B status, if you will. Um, Daria Gunbawali is a guy they used as their third down back as a pass catching back. And for me, that that becomes a bigger role just because Tom Brady loves throwing to his backs. He's used to have a James White getting 70, 80 catches. I think Brady has at least 100 throws to running backs three years in a row. Um, nobody with the Bucks had more than 35 catches among their running backs. It could be that agumba Wale holds on to that as a third down roll. They have to figure out if, if Jones or Vaughn can be a guy that can stay on the field as a three-down back. Um, they weren't really last year. Um, they have another back. They drafted a seventh-rounder named Ray Kale, who could also be a change-of-pace back. Uh, they have to figure out kind of how those four come together. I do think it hurts Keyshawn Vaughn a little bit that he doesn't get the summer to learn this offense to um, to be able to build confidence from the coaches that he can handle the pass protection aspect of things. Because if you miss a blitz and Tom Brady goes down, that that makes up for a lot of big plays that you might bring and the potential that someone like Keyshawn Vaughn has. So that could be something where the dynamic between those two early on skews heavy towards Jones. And as as a rookie gets more... Uh, fluent in this offense and gains the confidence of his coaches, then you might see more of a split in the second half of the season.
0: It's something we've seen with rookie running backs a lot in recent years. Miles Sanders from last year comes immediately to mind that starting off slow, learning the offense and second half of the season maybe ends up being the more primary back though. It does seem like it's going to be a shared backfield all season long in Tampa. That's our Bucs beat writer, Greg Allman. Greg, thanks again for joining us today.
2: Thank you. You guys take care.
0: You can follow Greg on Twitter at Greg Allman. That's A-U-M-A-N. And that's going to do it for this episode of Fantasy Football in 15. If you are not yet an Athletic subscriber, you can get a free 30-day trial at theathletic.com slash in 15 For Derek Van Riper and Greg Alman, I'm Michael Beller. Fantasy Football in 15. We'll be back with you tomorrow. Thanks for listening.